Well, hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to a bonus episode of You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, Micaiah and I talk about Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways Tour. Micaiah, despite the fact that you and I co-host a podcast together and spend hours talking to each other and texting with each other every month, we have not actually seen one another for about seven years prior to this past weekend Mm -hmm. um, when we met in Louisville, Kentucky to see Bob Dylan at the Palace Theater uh, it was my first time seeing Dylan, your second time mm-hmm. seeing Dylan, and it was an incredible show. Yeah. So let's start here. Before we talk about this concert, before we talk about the time that we had together, we did our first episode of this podcast on our shared favorite Dylan album, Blood on the Tracks. But you and I have both fallen in love with Rough and Rowdy Ways. Bob Dylan's latest album, his first work of original material since 2012's Tempest, his 39th studio album. Uh, This is an album we love. So let's start here. Talk to us about Rough and Rowdy Ways, the album. I mean, it came out in 2020, which is a time when it was really nice to have a new Dylan album, um, especially Murder Most Foul, because it came out pretty early uh, in, in the pandemic, like during the shutdown, pretty early, you know, and so real ballsy to just kind of suddenly drop this new single. That's the longest song he's ever recorded, which for him is saying quite a bit. Um, he has some lengthy ones out there, and this one, somehow, it takes the crown. And I think the song itself, "Murder Must Foul," which is which on the record is is highlighted in a very particular way. The CD doesn't have to be two CDs, but "Murder Most Foul" is on a separate CD. And if you have the CD or if you have the record, it's one side of an entire record because it has to be. Um, if, if you have the if you look at the back of the CD cover or the record cover, it says "Murder Must Foul" and it has the, the the picture of JFK. So it's really interesting that he's really emphasizing that song as a unique and specific work of art. I mean, they're really trying to champion it. I think in the minds of the people, it's like this is something to take seriously. This song. I yeah. also I, I also really appreciate him doing that because. I feel like it also helps you contextualize Rough and Rowdy Ways as an album apart from Murder Most Foul. Like mm-hmm. Mur- Murder Most Foul, like even though it's on the same album, I think context I-, I think I think the way he kind of separates that out allows you to enjoy Rough and Rowdy Ways as an album and then enjoy the, you know, 16 and a half minute opus that is Murder Most Foul you can almost kind of enjoy it as its own piece of art, almost separate from the rest of the album. And I, I kind of really appreciate the way he did that. Yeah. I mean, it's a great album closer. 
And it could be his best album closer. I mean, its rivals, of course, are other lengthy ones like Desolation Row or Sad Eye Lady of the Lowlands or a lot of competition there. But I mean, it really does feel, I mean, it's also when it came out, he was 78, 79, you know, so for someone who his first record came out in 1962, he's, he's now 80 years old and he's still writing, producing and making some of the best music of his career. I mean, there, there are other people, you know, Leonard Cohen till the end was making really great music. Um, Bowie was making really great music. I mean, I think, you know, one of Bowie's last record is one of his best, I think. Um, and, there, and there are a few artists like that. And still, Dylan feels exceptional. Because you get something like Murder Most Foul, it's just like, this, this stacks up with Blowing in the Wind, Like a Rolling Stone, a Simple Twist of Fate. I mean, we all have our favorite, you know. So, But I mean, like, it, it feels that important. I think I said, I don't know if this made into an episode, but we were talking... You know, I said, you know, murder, you know, Dylan is so important to music and into writing in general that he could probably be in, you know, in 50 years in the Norton American anthology for literature. And we could be reading Murder Most Foul like we would read T.S. Eliot or somebody, uh, The Wasteland or something, you know, like I, but, but of course I'm such a fan, but. The song does feel that important, and but I don't want I don't, I don't spend too much time on the song because I think there are a lot of great things on there. I think it's a great way to end a record, especially it's a especially great way to end a record that starts with "I Contain Multitudes" because I think those songs pair very well and are great bookends for what Ralph and uh, Ratty Ways is. Now he did not play "Murder Most Foul" when we saw him. Jumping ahead a little bit there. How could he? I mean, it's a very long song. Um, no one in his band is the person playing piano on the record is not in his band. It's actually Fiona Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's, I mean, what a year she was having. Fetch the Bolt Cutters, probably the best album of 2020. Um, and she got to perform on one of Dylan's best songs, which could have been the best song of 2020, um, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, it, it would be hard to say Murder Most Foul is one of the best songs Bob Dylan ever wrote and then not say it's one of the best songs or the best song of 20, 2020. I mean, in Murder Most Foul, you know, people think it's exclusively about JFK, and I don't think that's true. Um, there's a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. And he gave a rare interview uh, for New York Times when the album came out and people were asking, you know, what the song is about and the person interviewing in particular. And they, I think they said something, are you worried about your death? Are you, are you trying to like um, make a record of of something? And he said, no, I'm, I'm worried about the, not the the end of me, but the end of, of mankind or something like that. And he's kind of creating his own kind of record of history there. And there are jokes in there. Mm-hmm. You know, rub a dub dub. It's a murder most foul. You know, like that's that's funny. You know, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of, you know, the Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. You know, that that's a very different line than something you're reading like Roll on John from Tempest, which is about you know John's death. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I just think it's great, and I think the whole record's great. So we should probably talk about some of the other songs on too. What, was there anything you want to say about Rough and Rowdy Ways? Because I really just talked about one song there. Yeah. So the things so was we think about Rough and Rowdy Ways. So it comes out in June of 2020. It is such a breath of fresh air. We've gotten three albums that he's done since Tempest that are essentially him doing the American Songbook. In 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 some ways, and I think we can talk about this. In some ways, I think that doing those albums of standards, I think has also allowed him to find his, his voice as an, as an older artist, because his, his voice, and this is true. Anyone who's seen him live in the last 20 years or heard any of his recent albums knows this, a dramatically different quality to his voice now Mm -hmm. than what you hear in the sixties and seventies. There, there isn't, there isn't the same power there in his voice. His voice is his, has taken a much lower register. Um, He, he tends to sing slower. um, And that, that seems to be a real consistent theme. And yet there is something about spending the last, you know, eight years before this album comes out doing these standards that I do think has helped him figure out what his voice is going to sound like. So as he prepared to write Rough and Rowdy Ways, I think he was more in tune with where his voice was. But I will tell you, Rough and Rowdy Ways, not surprisingly, it's it was his most critically acclaimed album upon its release since 2001. I mean, since Love and Theft, really. Uh, he hasn't had an album as well received. And, and by the way, I agree with it. I, I think, you know, this is... Uh, for an artist who has recorded so many classic albums, who has recorded so many albums, and you and I have talked about this, I mean, really, there is not a decade in the last, there's not a decade since his first album that you wouldn't put a Dylan album among the best 20 albums of that decade. And so, but, but given all that, I think Rough and Rowdy Ways is there. There's a lot of going back to familiar wells on Rough and Rowdy Ways for him. It, it is, it is a, it is a bluesier album than um, he has done in a while. And, and in some ways, I think the the concert we saw reflects that. That his even his song choice reflected um, this this almost kind of return to to blues for him um, that I think that he is really enjoying. But yet also both thematically and in his songwriting like so so themes of his lyrics and also in the um style of songwriting especially in the vocals the intervals between the notes he's singing and the vocals there there is a very gospel quality to me in a lot of rough and rowdy ways that um you know some of the songs especially as you think about um um, I've made up my mind to um, to give myself to you, uh, mother of muses. Uh, even I contain multitudes. There's the the choice of the intervals he's singing almost makes these songs sounds like hymns. Today, tomorrow, and yesterday too. The flowers are dying, like all things do. Follow me close. I'm going to Berlin, Ali. I lose my mind if you don't come with me. I fuss with my hair and I fight blood feuds. 
I contain multitudes Got a telltale heart Like Mr. Poe Got skeletons in the walls of people you know I'll drink to the truth And the things we said I'll drink to the man that shares your bed I paint landscapes And I paint nudes I contain multitudes Red Cadillac it, it just, it adds so much more weight to it for me um, when when you hear these songs because it, it it feels sacred. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about Dylan's songwriting on this album is that it it feels like sacred music there's there's such a deft hand in songwriting and production and in just the way this album is put together it it might be one of the best sequenced albums that he's done in a long long time i mean it it really the sequencing of this album is really flawless yeah um that's that is for sure i i i don't know that anyone would disagree with that to your point it's not it's in the style of, of early rock and roll uh, you know a little richard um, but even Ray Charles of not just the sacred, but also the profane, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it is very much rooted in like kind of like the early spirit of of rock and roll and what was then, you know, race music or R&B music. Um, I mean, he, he says some kind of foul things Yeah, on this record that you're like, oh, OK, uh, Black Rider. Didn't expect to hear that out of your mouth. Anyway, um, but I want to get back to saying, like, Dylan does this. He Sometimes he takes three albums to figure out what he's going to do next. Because when you look at, like, what leads up to Blood on the Tracks, you know, like, it's, it's Planet Waves with the band. It's a soundtrack. It's a compilation. You know what I mean? And then he finally lands on Blood on the Tracks. And then he has these, the gospel trio, which we enjoy, which other people pan but I've come around to um, for the most part. And then you get like infidels mm-hmm. and followed by infidels. You get another three empire burlesque knocked out, loaded down the groove, kind of his three, you know, famously worst albums. And then he kind of finds himself again, on Oh mercy. And that's what, another album where his voice is, is different. That's kind of the first time like, Oh, he sounds different now is, is mm-hmm. on a mercy. And then he does um, under red sky, which is not very great. And then two cover albums. And after two cover albums, Time Out of Mind. Yeah. And then Love and Theft and then Modern Times, which is probably his best three album run. I agree. 1965 to 1966. 2009, people are kind of over it. And he does the Christmas album. And then Tempest, where he's kind of going back to that, that well again. And then three albums where he finds himself. You mentioned that he finds his voice again. And I, I, I completely agree. But also as a producer, I think he locks into something different there too. Because those three albums, uh, Shadows in the Night, Fallen Angels, Triplicate, are not albums that I love from him. But Bob Dylan, the producer, some of his best work actually. He uses the name Jack Frost, um, which is a name that he's been using, I think, since Time Out of Mine or Love and Theft. Um, but I think those albums, uh, not only finding his voice, but figuring out how to produce music again, I think really 
going outside of himself and going somewhere else um, helped him figure out a new way for him to Mm -hmm. communicate whatever it is that he has going on that gave us murder most foul. I, I, I really believe that he needed to do all of triplicate, a triple LP 30 songs to get to, and to earn, I contain multitudes and murder most foul as, as a performer and a producer. Yeah, I can see it. And, and it's interesting. So I, I think that your assessment of murder most foul is you're kind of talking about, you know, 50 years from now thinking that we'll be studying, you know, these kind of lyrics, you know, I, I think, you know, referencing Elliot referencing wasteland, like, I think, I think those are, I think that's an apt picture because I, I do hear it. So in some ways, JFK and kind of Camelot and all like that, there is so much of like baby boomer American exceptionalism, American dream identity mm-hmm. that is, that is wrapped up in, in JFK. That, so that, so that talking about JFK's assassination becomes an easy stand in for kind of, America at large uh, or, or some kind of idealized 20th century America. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I I do think that there is a way in which you really over the course of the seven stanzas of murder, most foul, the, the picture starts in on JFK and then kind of expands out larger and larger and larger and gets more metaphorical. And to the point where you get to the final verse, which is just him telling you all of the songs to play yeah, and giving, giving you the playlist for the end. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, and there's something in, and that's, what's crazy to me is that essentially the final line of the song is play murder most foul. This, this idea that even within the 16 minute song, He's essentially arriving at the thing. The thing that I'm writing is just another picture of this kind of no longer existing idealized, you know, American thing that may, may, may have never existed. And in, in, in our ideas of it are, are dying. Like it, it very much feels like whether it's him talking about the end of the world or just, the end of the generation he's a part of like there is something deeply profound in in that song and and again it's dylan so like there's there's an ease with which i feel like dylan can get to this song is important mm-hmm. that most artists can't and he's in because he's earned that over a, a, an entire career but because it has like a dozen songs that could be this country's national anthem yeah and everyone, and everyone would be like yeah, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, but given that, I think I think it's it's bearing all of that in mind that gives so much weight to Murder Most Foul. Like if if you if you're not someone who loves Dylan, if you're not someone who like understands and and can and can contextualize how important Dylan is in the last hundred years of of, of American culture. Yeah. Then, yeah, aside, then, yeah. Yeah. But, but if you, if you, if you can't contextualize Dylan that way, murder most foul won't hit you the same way that, yeah. that I, I, I feel like all of that kind of builds like murder most foul. I feel like is the song for him where everything 
and and I hate to say it this way because like I don't mean to make I'm not I'm I don't really mean the point that I'm arriving at here, but in some ways, Murder Most Foul feels like what his entire career has been leading up to. Right. Right. Until he releases a next album and like does the complete opposite thing that we think he should do, which is do Murder Most Foul again. And he's just like, nah, I want to make another Christmas album. You know, there's just no telling what he's going to do to follow it up. If he decides to follow up, I know people are just like, no, I think that I think he's calling it a rap on that. It's like, there's, no way he could ever not write perform record music i i don't if he's breathing it's it's going to be happening because you you had mentioned like him saying play murder most foul right and if i'm jumping ahead here we can circle back but there is kind of a and and it was we saw in the in the performance there's a bravado to him on this record and in the performance that we saw that was it's very fun and someone like him has earned um but yeah, it has watching, been missing for a while mm-hmm. because like i want to pull up something from uh the song false prophet and of course you know this doesn't mean that this is dylan saying it about himself but it's coming out of his mouth so you know infer what you want right i'm first among equals second to none the last of the best you can bury the rest, bury them naked with uh, their silver and gold, put them six feet under. I'll pray for their souls. You know, like that's some pretty braggadocia hip hop, you know, I'm second to numb, bury those fools with their silver and gold. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. this is, you know what I mean? It, it's very easy to put that in the words of braggadocia hip hop. Um, but yeah, but it's a, it's a bravado that he's been carrying uh, with them in these performances, especially on the song "False Prophet," he he was his, his on-stage persona or charisma or whatever. I mean, like, really showed up in that song in a way that was so exciting. I saw him in 2018, almost the exact same day that we saw him, and he played all old stuff, um, all old stuff, and a few songs from Tempest which still at that point was five years old. Yeah. Six years old. Yeah. And you know, and he was, he was great. He's Bob Dylan. He played simple twist of fate. I, I teared up. He played don't think twice. It's all right. I teared up. He played like a rolling stone in a way I've never heard it before. And will probably never get to hear again. Um, which, which I love. Cause you got to really lock in on these Dylan concerts. Cause you don't, because you you haven't heard these songs like this before, and you're probably not going to hear them like this again. So you got to really lock in and just make that memory for yourself, uh, which is I don't, I don't think a way that people watch things because they always think like, oh, I can always pull this back up somehow, somewhere. Uh, but he has a really strict phone policy at his show, so you got you to gotta be present. But back then, like he, he was not the performer who we saw was an older man, um, but who was more exciting more charismatic. Uh, there was a bravado. Yeah, it, it was more exciting than when I saw him a few years ago, even though back then he was playing all things you wanted him to play. He played Blowing in the Wind. He played mm-hmm. Like a Rolling Stone. He he, uh, he played songs from Time Out of Mind and, and Love and Theft. He, he gave you everything you wanted. Um, but this show was more fun and more exciting uh, to watch. Another day that don't end, 
Another ship going out Another day of anger Bitterness and doubt I know how it happened I saw it begin I opened my heart to the world And the world came Hello, Mary Lou Hello, Miss Pearl My fleet-footed guides From the underworld No stars in the sky Shine brighter than you You girls mean business And I do too Well, I'm the enemy of treason An enemy of strife I'm the enemy of the unlived Meaningless life I ain't no false prophet I just know what I know I go where only the lonely can go So in, in, when we talk about the concert, I, I want to talk about that because as someone who is seeing Dylan for the very first time, um, you had the experience both of seeing this concert, this tour, and one of the endless tours. So you got to see the kind of fan service show that he did. Um, which, which I haven't had the opportunity to. So there's all these songs that I've never heard him perform live. Mm -hmm. And yet I I think calling those older shows where he's doing all these older songs, fan service shows, I think that's appropriate because what seems to be the difference, you know, watching some of like the bootleg shows or listening to some of the bootleg shows that have been done over the last 10 years, he seems to be enjoying himself far more right now. Yes. on stage it's, it's it's almost like through this album he's he's rediscovered his own joy in being this artist um yeah. and so and so really you could you can tell in this tour how much he enjoys this material not just how how good this album is but how much he enjoys playing this material and i i couldn't agree more i think i think you see all of that so we could go on all day talking about this incredible album so let's let's do this Let's do Micaiah and Rob's top five songs from Rough and Rowdy Ways. And then let's talk about the concert. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. And this is just going to be the order in which they appear in the record because that's just how I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't ignore it. I contain multitudes. Uh, False Prophet, number two for me. And that's the second one on the record. Um Especially now, having watched him perform it live, that one is a definite for me. And man, look at—I mean, this is a great run. Because uh, my number three would be uh, my own version of you. Mm-hmm. All through the summers into January, I've been visiting morgues and monasteries, looking for the necessary body parts. Limbs and livers and brains and hearts I'll bring someone to life Is what I want to do I want to create my own Version of you Well it must be the winter Of my discontent 
I wish you'd have taken me with you wherever you went They talk all night and they talk all day Not for a minute do I believe anything they say I go make somebody life, someone I've never seen You know what I mean, you know exactly what I mean I'll take the Scarface Pacino and the Godfather Vando Mix it up in a tank and get a robot commando If I do it upright and put the head on straight I'll be saved by the creature that I create I'll get blood from a cactus, gunpowder from ice I don't gamble with cards and I don't shoot no dice Can you look in my face with your sightless eye? Can you cross your heart and hope to die? I'll bring someone to life, someone for real Someone who feels the way that I feel In the, I mean, everything after that I think is great, but I'm going down now from the first three to the last two. So Key West, uh, philosopher pirate, in parentheses, uh, is in there for me. Crazy that you get to track nine and you get this like nine, pretty close to ten minute song. And it's followed by a song that's almost double the length. Uh, just when you think you've, you've heard a real long song, buckle up. Uh, Key West Philosopher Pirate, I think, is another great achievement of his. Um, I've heard him many times, but listening to it live, like I was still catching lines that I hadn't heard before that were really moving um, while we were sitting in the theater, and I, I loved it. And then, of course, uh, Murder Most Foul, which I think was the, the best song of 2020 um, from uh, one of Dylan's, uh, one of his best records. I, I, I'm We'll get into that later, but it's impossible. If anyone makes this list and does include Murder Most Foul, I don't trust you. But I will, I'll tell you, um, we were listening to it, Molly and I. We were driving back from Andy's wedding, and I put Rough Around It Ways on because uh, I knew we would take up like a good amount of the drive. And um, we got like seven minutes in or six minutes in. And I always like to like, I say, oh, wait, let's, let's finish the song before we get out of the car. We just get gotten back from Georgia. And she's like, how much longer is it? I was just like, would you believe me if I told you it had eight more minutes to go? And she's like, and she said, you need to learn that just because something is long and slow doesn't mean it's good. And this goes for the Irishman too. So she was just like Scorsese, Dylan, like both, both like my two my, 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 my two like a one like guys. I was just like, <laughs> okay. So I'm going to give you mine and I'm, I'm going to caveat this up front. So on vinyl side D the fourth side is, is murder most foul. Yes. And because on vinyl, you're already switching on to sides. So it's a little easier to have that kind of delineation that, that kind of, differentiation between different things. I think that we should not overlook the fact that instead of releasing this as a single CD, they released it as Dylan released it as two CDs. Mm -hmm. So the first nine songs on the, on one disc and then murder most foul standing alone on its own CD. And 
even the pattern covers essentially. Yeah. Even, yeah. In, in, in the way that the way that you see it, if, if you have it on the vinyl, the, the front of the vinyl is the rough and rowdy ways and the back of the vinyl is murder most foul. It's, it's almost like Dylan is telling you. Also, we should also say it's just, there's no track list on the Mm -hmm. back or thing either. Like that is just, it it looks like if, if you got at the record store and you put it, if they didn't have a, a sticker on the front that said the new Bob Dylan, um, right. You could, you can mix up which way to, to put it in the bin. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that being said, the way that I consume rough and rowdy ways is often separate from murder most foul. And I will often consume murder most foul as a stand, as a standalone song mm-hmm. rather than consuming it as the closer to the, to the album. So I, I, for me, I think the packaging is telling and I think that the way to understand rough and rowdy ways is to, is to imagine rough and rowdy ways as a nine track album. That is, I contain multitudes to key West and then murder most foul at, uh, almost as its own, as its own separate piece. Now I, I don't fault anyone for, for seeing it the other way and seeing murder most foul as as the closer and again like you said i mean this is this is similar to blonde on blonde like closing with essentially a 16 minute long song like this is not out of character for dylan over the course of his career but for me just the the way that i wrap my mind around murder most foul uh, murder most foul is to separate it out from the album rough and rowdy ways so 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 that being said i'm going to give you my five of the nine that I consider rough and rowdy ways with, with the caveat that on this album on, on among these 10 songs, murder most foul is the best song. And then murder, murder most foul is the best song among the 10. But for me, the way I, the way that I have been uh, consuming rough and rowdy ways is just the first nine songs. So for me, going in order of the way they appear, False Prophet, My Own Version of You, um, which My Own Version of You, I will tell you, um, you want to talk about a song he clearly enjoys performing. Man, he... he, uh, um, My wife and I in 2009 saw Tom Waits, uh, 2008. In 2008, we saw Tom Waits on the Glitter and Doom tour. And Dylan performing my own version of you the other night is as close as I have ever seen to someone performing like the way Tom Waits performs. Like Dylan almost becomes a caricature of himself mm-hmm. in performing my own version of you. And, and I was, I, I really loved it. So false prophet, my own version of you, I've made up my mind to give myself to you. So that three songs in a row, I mean, come on, how strong is that, is that section right there? I'm sitting on my terrace, lost in the stars, listening to the sounds of the sad guitars Been thinking it all over And I Thought it all through 
I've made up my mind to give myself to you. I saw the first fall of snow. I saw the flowers come and go. I don't think that anyone ever else ever knew I made up my mind to give myself to you. I'm giving myself to you. I am from Salt Lake City to Birmingham. From East LA to San Antonio, I don't think I could bear to live my life alone. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed, and then Key West, and really, it's just such a flawless album. But those those would be my five from among the nine, um, and then I would kind of consume Murder Most Foul on its own, and and I think the reason for that is is that the first nine songs all seem to work together. Um, and especially in the way in the vinyl, I feel like you get these, you get these kind of three collections of three songs each, um, mm. which, which work really well together in murder most foul. It, it seems to be just so different from the rest of the album. Uh, I don't know how you skipped out on, I contain multitudes. Um, yeah, so I, so I contain multitudes. I'll be honest; it, it's 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 a good song. There's not a bad song in this album. Not a bad song in this album. It's 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 a great song. It doesn't do anything special for me. It's 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 a great song, but there's there's it, it doesn't. It's not elevated above other songs on this album for me. I'm blown away. Yeah, um. but you but you also you and I have talked about this. Because, you know, from from almost from my first listen of this album, I've made up my mind to give myself to you was was very quickly one of my top three songs on this album. And uh, I think when when I when, <laughs> I think your exact words when I told that to you were, yeah, that makes sense for you. Yeah, it does. So I don't I don't know how to take that. I don't know what you mean by that. But well, it's a really pretty song. And, and you're someone who I would say likes beautiful music. Um, I mean, I do too. I mean, it's, that's, that's not, <laughs> I don't want anyone to think that that's a put down, but you know, like you, you know, someone who it's, it is, it is, it is a, um, it, it is, it is a song that is traditionally pleasant. Yeah. That might be a good way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's a, well, I mean, it's kind of a sweet pop song. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's a very tender song. Yeah, and you have you have the consistent kind of lulling of the da da da. There's the swells. Da, and, da, da, yeah. yeah, there's I there's mean, almost there's almost like a, a light waltz to it in the background. Yeah, I mean, you're someone who you know put Motown number ones on his Desert Island albums, and this is you could put this song on Diana Ross and Supremes and have it work just fine. Yeah, so that's fair. 
after seven years of not seeing each other, when Dylan announced the tour, I sent you a message and I said, Hey, are you planning on going to the show in Louisville? And you said, yeah, I was planning on going alone. I was like, Hey, are you up for us going together? We made it happen. Going alone because I texted my fiance and she said, but we saw him already. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I was planning on going alone. And then you texted me and I was very excited. I would have gone alone and been pretty happy. Um, but the fact that you were willing to fly out here and join me uh, really meant a lot because uh, I knew we were going to have a really great time. And we did. And, uh, and, it, and it, it was not a day without uh, uh, anxieties for me. Um, I, my, my flight was supposed to leave from, uh, from Raleigh-Durham Airport at 9.30 a.m. on Friday morning. And uh, about 7.30 a.m., I got a text message from Delta Airlines letting me know there was a power outage at RDU and that my flight had been delayed three hours. So went with a family to breakfast instead, thinking, all right, well, this gives us time. We'll go out to breakfast together. My wife will drop me off at the airport. And while we were at breakfast, I kept getting text messages from Delta. Your flight has been delayed. Your flight has been delayed. Your flight has been delayed. Mm-hmm. To the point where um, I had missed the first connecting flight out of Atlanta to Louisville. Then I missed the next connecting flight out of Atlanta to Louisville. And the third connecting flight from Atlanta to Louisville was the only one that was guaranteed to get me to the concert on time. And so it looked like I wasn't going to make that connecting flight. And so then we were texting back and forth. All right, what do we do? Can you send me the ticket? Um, I may have to go straight from the airport straight to the concert. Like it, it was, it was getting crazy and uh, it, it all you, worked. You told me that the concert started at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and there was a point where you told me I'll land at seven 20. I'll meet you at the theater. And I was just like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. Um, but it, thankfully it, it all worked out. Um, and not only were, were we, was I able to get, uh, in town in time so that we could see the concert, but we actually had an opportunity, our three-time guest now on the show, uh, Michael Washburn, who we had never met in person and who lives in Louisville. Uh, we got the opportunity to meet up with, with Michael Washburn for a little bit. So, uh, we want to say thanks to Michael Washburn and, uh, thanks for taking me and Micaiah out to your neighborhood hang, uh, while we were there. And, and then we got to, ha- got to enjoy a phenomenal, phenomenal concert. Yeah, uh, you, really, you really cut to the chase there because what really happened is we saw Michael Washburn, had a great time with him, uh, and we could have stayed there for hours. I mean, we, we could have missed – if we didn't have the luxury of, you know, being able to have, you know, uh, watch the time on our phones or on our watches or timepieces or whatever – we could have missed the entire show and talked to him all night. All right. Yeah, oh, just, for sure. You know, just, we just had so much fun hanging out. Um, and it's just, so, it's just so exciting. Uh, I mean, we're not, you know, people say, you know, post COVID is just so nice. I mean, it's still COVID. I say post vaccine now. It's just so nice, you know, post vaccine to go hang out with somebody. I still haven't done it very much. Yeah. You know, so to see you and him at the same time, you know, it, it was very, it just was very exciting. Um, and then after that, 
there's a there's a pizza place right next to the venue. So you and I got some pizza, and we talked about comedy for a really long time. Uh-huh. And we watched this line to go to the theater never get shorter. Um, so we're like, well, it's ten till the show starts. You know, so they say show starts at eight from the front of your hotel to the front of the concert venue that walk was shorter than from the concert venue's front door to the end of that line, 10 minutes till the show started. Yeah. And, and then, and, and, and neither one of us were, were, I think prepared for weather other than it to be cold. So like we, I think we both had sweater on. So we were, we were prepared for, you know, it's nighttime in November in Louisville. I think we were both prepared for it to be cold. And then we started to hear thunder and then it started raining and then, yeah, there was sleet, um, which Florida boy Rob just eyes about popped out of his head. <laughs> I, it was it was fan- it was a great for me to see. Um, I didn't I don't think you expected it to be that cold, that windy, that rainy, and then to see sleet. And uh, I mean, I think you even had like little snow flurries. Mm-hmm. I'm holding on your shoulder too. Um, and then you told me that you had to turn your heat on in North Carolina for the first time, like a week ago when you told Meg, I'm over this. Yeah. It's, it, we love living in Durham, but, uh, but man, I'll tell you this, this first winter is going to be the, uh, it's going to be the crucible for us here. First winter is the hardest. Um, you, you'll, you'll adapt. I promise. Um, yeah. So we, we stood in that line Still for like 20 minutes. It, it still took us a while to get in the venue. I don't know if it was because people had to show Vax cards before they can get in. Then once they get in, they had to have the wand and the metal detectors, and then they had to scan their tickets. But we get into the palace, which is a gorgeous, oh, gorgeous venue. What, I mean, I, I would say maybe I, I was talking to my wife about this of the theater venues in the United States. Um, the Fox in Atlanta is 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 as beautiful as as the palace is um but there are not many there are not many other uh, other theater venues that compare to how gorgeous just the look and the feel of this venue is i mean you you feel like you are really in for something when you step foot in this in this venue black rider black rider you've been living too hard been up all night have to stay on your guard the path that you're walking too narrow to walk every step of the way another stumbling block the road that you're on same road that you know just not the same as it was a minute ago Black Rider, Black Rider You've seen it all You've seen the great world And you've seen the small You fell into the fire And you're eating the flame Better seal up your lips If you want to stay in the game Be reasonable, mister Be honest, be fair let all of your earthly thoughts 
So for anyone who plans on going to see Dylan on this tour, just so you know, you are on Dylan's time. If the show starts at eight, the show starts at eight and it will promptly end at nine 30. Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was a tight 90. And by the way, this is something we looked at. This was the fifth show of the tour. And by the third show, he had the set list. I mean, that was it. So the, the 17 songs that he has played from the third show of this tour through, through last night have remained exactly the same. He's played those 17 songs in that order. Uh, There is no encore. It is, it is, it starts promptly at eight o'clock and ends promptly at nine 30. Dylan is an 80 year old man and you were, you, you were dealing with his time. So if you want to see him, you better prepare, be prepared to get there early because yeah. uh, we we missed the first two two songs, but uh, but we knew what they were going to be at least. Yeah, and they and they were oldies. Uh, one's kind of deep cut because it, the only version of it isn't on is on a greatest hits volume two, mm-hmm. um, which he also did uh, revisited for um, the Shadow Kingdom concert. Like uh, they call it a concert stream. It was more of a, a concert film. Um, so he he had that song, um, and so and so uh, after watching the flow, he's been playing uh, from Blonde on Blonde. Most likely, you go your way, I'll go mine, which he also did on uh, the Shadow Kingdom concert, uh, which uh, a really really fun arrangement on there. Which luckily I had seen those two uh, on the Shadow Kingdom, which I watched three times. Um, it was like a one, it was like a 24 hour thing that they ended up like extending for a couple, like over the weekend. So I watched it, um, you know, as many times as I, as I could fit into a weekend. Cause I, I thought everything was great. Um, so yeah. And so all the older songs that he played on this tour are pretty much what he did on the shadow kingdom concert stream. Um, which I'm glad for because I, I love those arrangements, but the band I believe is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, we, I know that is because um, Buck Meek from Big Thief was in the band uh, for the concert film. Um, so I, I would have loved to have seen him tour with Dylan. That would have just absolutely blew my mind. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't feel too bad that we missed the first two songs because we, we knew what they were. Mm-hmm. We're gonna miss, and we we walk into the palace. And it's gorgeous and it's crowded, and we hear, you know, I, I mean, contain multitudes. In seconds, we recognize yeah. this man is already three songs in. Yeah. So we we can't really take in the venue. We can't get you a nice drink. Uh, so we bolt upstairs, find our seats, and. I mean, just kind of just you. It's, it's the it's the was it Seinfeld, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just like yeah, they're excited for like ten minutes or ten seconds or something, whatever he says. You know, then they're done applauding, and then it's like okay, now be funny, All right? And so there's that moment where it's like, oh my god, it's Bob Dylan. He's right there. I'm in the same room with him. This is amazing. You know, so you that sets in, and then you're like, he's doing. I contain multitudes. This is crazy. And the thing is, 
I Can Tame Multitudes is a soft song. Mm-hmm. Slow. Mellow. Whenever Dylan stopped singing a verse, people went wild. Yeah. I was now again, this is one of those things having not seen Dylan before. I was trying to figure out, all right, this is my first time ever seeing a concert in Kentucky. This is my first time ever seeing <laughs> Dylan. Like, what what is this that is happening? And and admittedly, you and I were both among the youngest audience members. This was this this was an audience made up um, primarily of people our parents' age. Yeah, and they were going wild every every time he said "I contain multitudes," people go, "Yeah!" I mean, just like some people on their feet every yeah. time he said it on their feet. And then, and then he goes into false prophet and then he starts uh, really go. I mean, he's, he's draping over the mic stand. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he looks like he's, you know, gun for Mick Jagger's job. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's, I mean, the most that Dylan is willing to, to go. Um, I mean, he's really stylish, really cool. And people were loving the most I saw him do in 2018 is, he came. He um, went up from behind the piano for Scarlet Town from Tempest, and he picked up the mic stand and kind of swung it around. And the people were like, "Yeah!" Just like, just watching him do something, mm-hmm. any kind of thing, was so excitable. And but there were like a lot more moments like that. I never saw him, you know, pick up a mic stand uh, for this show, but it, it was very excitable. He he was, I mean, he he was really just like making his way around the stage. Just sometimes going at the piano, sometimes deciding maybe, no, I don't want to play piano on this one. Or sometimes like, you know what, I'm going to go piano, I'm going to bang out a solo real quick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was just just having a lot of fun, very playful, uh, very fun, and the crowd was loving it. Now, another thing, now the palace is a fancy place. Like it, it looks fancy. It looks like a, I don't want to break anything kind of place. And this is a Dylan show an old Dylan show, an old man Dylan show. When I say that when we sat down, all you could smell was pot. I mean, this place reeked of pot mm-hmm. for the 90 minutes we were there. This place stank of ganja. Now, and, and let me tell you as well, like there were, the stage lighting was minimal. There, there's, there was a backlight on the drape that would change colors and then they have basically set it up like it's set up so everything is is lighting from underneath. Mm-hmm. There there is no haze, there is no fog. I mean, it, it's very very simple lighting. It's it's a Dylan show. I mean, he's not. I mean, this this is not a big theatrical show. Yeah, I mean, again, the you and I, fireworks for living yeah. and die. Yeah. You and I were in the balcony, and I think we stared through smoke haze the majority of the show. Yeah. And in in it's inside of inside of a venue. And I look, I, I spent years in college following Dave Matthews band on tour. Like I've seen fish in concert like there. I have been to shows where you expect the audience, you know, there's going to be a large percentage of the audience 
that is going to be uh, partaking. Yeah. Given the average age of the folks that we were surrounded by, that would have been my last expectation. So much so that you and I, like not five minutes after we walked in, we were sitting there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, neither one of us are, are people who smoke pot. Yeah. And one of the security guards, I think, came by and just based on your age, saw you and assumed it must be you and came yeah. up. And- yeah. This man, an older security guard, which is most security guards at venues like this, um, gets right in front of me, blocks my view. I'm like, oh, what's this about? And he goes, hey, man, if anyone sees you puff again, you're out of here. And I said, <laughs> I said, sir. Not only have I not smoked tonight, I've never smoked in my life. So to be accused, uh, and most people assume this of me, um, I, I, I guess I just give off that vibe. Okay, I accept. Um, but I've never, I, I've never smoked a joint, a cigar, a cigarette, no interest. Yeah, and then, and then after I said, I've never smoked in my life, he goes, one more time, you're out. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> um, so I mean, he, and then, and then I think he got wise uh, because there, there, there are a couple other. I mean, there are people in front of us like taking phone calls, and you know, um, having stiff drinks and act and climbing over seats. And so I think he's like, uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's not the young guy who's like sitting on his hands and is. Like looking starry-eyed down yeah. at the stage. Um, maybe it's these baby boomer ruffians. I live on the streets, named after a saint. Women in the churches wear powder and paint. Where the Jews and the Catholics and the Muslims are pray. I can tell a product from a mile away. Goodbye, Jimmy B. Jimmy Reed indeed Give me that old time religion It's just what I need For thine is the kingdom The power of the glory Go tell it on the mountain Go tell the real story Tell it in that straightforward Puritanical tone In the mystic hours Where Persons alone. Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. Godspeed. Up on the Bible, I proclaim a creed. In between these kind of rough and rowdy way songs, they would they play these older ones, and the band would put on a a more country western kind of folk. They they get out the like the fiddle and stuff and play these like really fun arrangements is uh, mm-hmm. I'll be tonight. And like to be alone with you. We're not the John Wesley Hardy Nashville skyline country versions that we hear on those records uh, more, you know, updated for, for today, but still um, in that vein, but still different arrangements to the point where like when I paint my masterpiece, a song I love look literally took me a minute to be like, what song is this? <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to say. There was a few songs, if it weren't for the fact that we kind of knew going into it, okay, this is the set list he's doing. Mm-hmm. 
But then he'd start in on something and you'd be like, I know this is what he's like, if he's sticking to the set list, I know this is what he should be playing right now. But yeah. they'd start a song off and you'd be like, I don't think that's it. But you're trying to place it and you're trying to be like, wait a minute, that's not in. And so you, you got that. And then again, I'll, I'll be your, I'll be your baby tonight. The only song that anyone played an acoustic guitar. Um, and, and we'll just say like an incredible band. So Pretty young, pretty young drummer for his for his band, but kind of his same bass player that's been with him for years. Um, his his kind of primary guitar player, same guy who's been with him for years. Well, He's, somebody wasn't with him though. Um, normally, he has Charlie Sexton with them. So, so the guy who was filling in for Charlie Sexton, um, who I, I I don't know his name off the top of my head, but the guy who's filling in for Charlie Sexton, um, really you know, interesting guitar player. And it was interesting watching the way the kind of two primary guitar players were kind of trading back and forth some parts. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a lead guitar player and a rhythm guitar player. They were really kind of trading a lot of the parts back and forth, but he had a multi-instrumentalist on stage that I, I had so much fun watching. He had two different lap steel guitars, Mm -hmm. like two different pedal steel guitars, uh, had an accordion, had a mandolin, had a guitar. Like, I mean, this guy was like switching instruments sometimes within a song. He'd, he'd move from one thing to the next. And uh, it's so interesting to watch. But then you just watch this band play together. And then you forget as well, Dylan is a great piano player. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's easy to forget that like, oh, he's, he's writing most. He's because so much of his newer music he's writing on piano mm-hmm. you, you you go oh he's the one playing these parts like okay and and so you just watch him play and, and then and honestly uh, sorry I, I totally cut you out there but like really kind of interesting like blues piano too yeah like 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 not afraid to just like bang on a note even mm-hmm. after right the 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 rest of the guitarist right based on like the the, the chord progressions like have moved on. He's still banging on that note. Like, like a blues guitarist would like just hang on it and bend it until they, you know, it hits the point where it comes back around in the chord progression. Right. Um, he's just really banging. The, and that made for a great performance and something really exciting to watch. Yeah. But then, but then when he gets to the eighth song of the set, my own version of you, he performed my own version of you as if he were a different person mm-hmm. um, in, in a way that was, I mean, I think you and I talked about it after the show. Like he, he performed it almost like it was a Halloween number. Like he, he, he like he, he's making himself spooky in this song. Oh, he, um, he was having a great time with yeah. it. Um, and, and wow. I mean, like, the way the band did it, the way he performed it, um, it it was it was it was one of the high points for me of the show was watching him do my own version of you. There was a almost a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde thing about it. So he had this mic at the piano that he could pick up and walk to center stage, or walk you know anywhere he wanted around the stage, and had another one on a mic stand, like on a boom mic by the piano. And he and sometimes he would sit at the piano and use both mics and just turn his head each way to deliver different kind of lines. Sometimes the sound, I mean, keeping the sound guy on his toes, 
right? So you watch it because, I mean, sometimes it wouldn't catch right mm-hmm. away on both sides. So you can see the sound guy who's, by the way, at the side of the stage watching Dylan. So it seems like this is common, you know, so you don't know which mic he's going to pick up and start singing out of. So he's just going back and using both these mics and sometimes seeming like he's using them for different lines and different purposes. And I mean, there are times where he's just like, the song ends here, bonk. And then the band's like, and we're done. Boom. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it was, it was great. I mean, they, they're, they're, I mean, it's still early in the tour and it seems like there's still things that they're working out. So it was fun to see, watch Dylan work it out on stage. Yeah. Which has gotten him, gotten him in trouble many times, <laughs> like famously. <laughs> uh, which And kind of now too, because I, um, when we, when, when they got off the stage and people thought there might be an encore, the house lights come on and someone still in the back yells, play the old stuff. And we got in an elevator at your hotel um, with people who were also at the concert. And they said, I wish you'd play the old stuff. Yeah. You know, like he, he's still pissing his audience off somehow. Mother of muses, sing for me. Sing of the mountains and the deep dark sea. Sing of the lakes and the nymphs of the forest. Sing your hearts out, all you women of the chorus. Sing of honor and faith and glory be. Mother of muses, sing for me. Mother of muses, sing for my heart. Sing of a love too soon to depart. Sing of the heroes who stood alone. Names are engraved on tablets of stone Who struggled with pain So the world can go free Mother of muses, sing for me You were talking about, about the old, some of the older songs getting in the way of Rough and Rowdy Ways. Yeah, it's just so, I mean... Tonight I'll be staying here with you on Rolling Thunder Review, right? That's when I, I think his voice is like never better there. Um, I think that it's just like a peak kind of time for Dylan, especially like Dylan in 1975. You know, it's just so great. I don't want to hear Dylan do tonight. I'll be staying here with you now. Yeah, I agree. That's not, that's not that guy. He's not the guy he was in 1970. He's not going to bring that to it. Mm-hmm. But what he has to offer right now, the facilities that he has now, is perfect for the Rough and Rowdy Ways material. So I I want that. I want more of that. Um, I mean, he gave us eight of the ten songs. I mean, he he delivered. You know, it's very much the route the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour, and so those eight songs for me were absolutely the highlight you know, the highlights for the show that, 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 that the half of the set that was rough around ways 
every one of them, I would say I enjoyed more than anything that he played from Grace Hits Volume 2 or John Wesley Harding, Nashville Skyline, Slow Dragon Coming, Tempest even. Uh, but he only played early Roman Kings, which is a, you know, it's a fun blues number, but. And, but not my, not my favorite song on Tempest by any yeah, stretch. Yeah. I don't even, I don't know that it's a top, I don't even know that it's a top five Tempest song for me. Um, I mean, Pain Blood, I think is mm-hmm. a really great song from that record, uh, which, but I've, I've, I, I, I saw him do that um, 2018 also. So, and, and also early Roman King. But yeah, so where he's at now in his career, these are the songs he needs to be singing right now. This this is the special moment, right? This this is this is something really. This is just yeah, one of those kind of like touchstone moments in his career. I think. Yeah. You know, like what he was doing on Rolling Thunder Review, like it's so specific to that time, and so specific to who he was at that time, and what he was capable of that at that time, as a singer and as a performer. And I feel that way with what he's doing now with this new material like this. This is exactly what he needs to be singing. This is, yeah, this is where his, yeah, I guess I said his facilities are are best served. This is with this new material. Yeah. I crossed the Rubicon on the 14th day of the most dangerous month of the year. At the worst time, at the worst place. That's all I seem to hear. Go to Burley So I could greet the goddess of the dawn I painted my wagon, abandoned all hope And I crossed the Rubicon Well, the Rubicon is a red river Oh, and gently as she flows Redder than your ruby lips And the blood that flows from the rose Three miles north of purgatory One step from the great beyond I prayed to the cross I kissed the girls and I crossed the Rubicon. Just for, for our listeners, from my own version of you, which essentially was kind of the halfway point of the concert, he did Early Roman Kings, To Be Alone With You, uh, Key West, which again was was just so well done live. You, get, you know, it's such, it's such a great picture of what he can do at this moment. Everything from rough and rowdy ways was almost identical to the record. Key West mm-hmm. was a little different. There, yeah. there was there were a little bit more drums on the four time, giving a little bit more oomph and then like little, mm-hmm. little sections in, in, in between verses. Yeah. So that, that was fun to hear them trying out something different uh, with that song. Yeah. And I will tell you, um, so on, on rough and rowdy ways on the album, not surprisingly, Key West is one of those songs where you hear a ton of reverb, a ton of chorus, a ton of tremolo in the guitars. But even for what you hear on the on the album, I felt like the guitars were so washy. 
um, in a really beautiful way when we saw him. Um, you know, lots of lots of chorus, lots of tremolo. I mean, it really did feel like they, they felt almost watery. I, I thought it was just masterfully done. And then again, a, a pretty rocking version of Gotta Serve Somebody up tempo um, with almost like 90s alternative guitar riffs in between the verses. Yeah. And then and then the final five songs, it, I mean, just couldn't have been more perfect. I've made up my mind to give myself to you uh, melancholy mood Frank Sinatra cover that he does um, on it really melancholy mood is the only song from kind of the last eight years of of cover albums that he's done that he did and when I saw him in 2018 which is just a year after typically he wasn't playing any he wasn't playing stardust he wasn't playing melancholy mood um, so it was surprising that he he brought it out now but I felt like it fit, especially in between I've made up my mind to give myself to you and mother of muses. Cause it, it did create this kind of natural, yeah. the, the, the three of them kind of ran together. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, maybe the, the kind of rockingest, most fun uh, part of the whole show was, was doing goodbye Jimmy Reed. Yeah. And and, and you could tell not only was he having fun doing Goodbye Jimmy Reed and was the band just killing it during the song, he had so much fun doing Goodbye Jimmy Reed that he, he did something that Dylan often does not do. For anyone who's seen Dylan in concert or if you've ever listened to any of his, uh, his, his bootleg concerts or any of his live albums, it is not uncommon for Dylan to do an entire concert without once referencing or acknowledging the audience yeah. i mean it not not at all uncommon for dylan to open the show and close the show without once saying a word to the audience there was a it, moment in this concert where he just had his, he was sitting at the piano with his back turned to the audience mm-hmm. you know um like that you're just gonna get that yeah you know? but then at the end of goodbye jimmy reed he comes out and says hello to the audience and and tells us that he's got a Louisville slugger that everyone in the band has Louisville sluggers and they use them to play the drums and then he introduces the band yeah. and they and they do every grain of sand and every grain of sand you know was every grain of sand was 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 well done uh, it was exactly what you wanted it to be mm-hmm. and then they they stand up the lights go dark on the band that's it that's the show. That's the show. It's great. Yeah. No, he, well, he broke character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing this. He's, he's kind of developed this rough and rowdy ways kind of character that he does where and the character is I'm cool as fuck. And I know it I mean, like that. I don't know what else to say. He's like, I'm 80, but I'm still cool as shit, man. Deal with it. You know? And uh, he, he breaks character. He goes, thanks so much, everybody. To which people just go, oh, you know, like it catches you off guard. It's like, wait, that was Dylan talking. Like it wasn't Dylan performing, like not, not the Dylan character, but like Bob Dylan just addressed us. Like it became something like that the crowd went to like another height hearing that Dylan voice come out. That wasn't the kind of, kind of howling wolf blues growl that he brings to his songs or any, you know, like with kind of cool kind of stuff that he's he brings to the slower songs now like just say the bob the guy bob dylan just like came out for a hot second and just everyone was just elated it was great yeah 
McKinley holler, McKinley small. Doctor said McKinley, her death is on the wall. Say it to me, have you got something to confess? I heard all about her. He was going down slow. I heard it all. The wireless radio from down in the blue dogs, way down in Key West. I'm searching for love, for inspiration. On that pirate radio station, coming out of Luxembourg and Budapest. Radio signal, clear as can be. I'm so deep in love that I can hardly see. Down in the flatlands, way down in Key West. Key West is the place to be if you're looking for immortality. Stay on the road. Follow the highway sign. Key West is fine and fair. If you lost your mind, you'll find it there. Key West is on the horizon line. We went down and, and found some merch. You were kind enough to buy me a Dylan hat that I've uh, worn off and on um, ever since. Yeah. Um. Now we're just a couple of bros with matching Bob Dylan hats. That's right. That's right. Uh, went up to the hotel room and and kind of talked about the show and before you had to drive back to Lexington. And uh, I'll tell you, I weirdly enough slept in a little bit in 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 the hotel. had had like thirty minutes to just go explore downtown Louisville and and kind of went and did that um, before heading to the airport on Saturday morning and. I had the playlist. I'd created a playlist from what he performed at the concert and in the order he performed in the concert and in literally through both of my flights and times in the airport on Saturday, just listened over and over again in order of the set list of everything he performed at the concert. And it was that weird thing that like on Saturday, flying back home, it, it started to set in of like, Holy crap, I just saw Bob Dylan. The weight of it hit me as I was flying home of like, oh wow, like that's what I saw. That yeah. like in and, and so I, I it's one of those things that a a phenomenal concert in the moment. In in the more time that has passed since it, the more I find myself going, wow, that was really one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was it was such a treat to to get to go see Dylan with you. I'm so glad we got to do it together. I'm so I'm so grateful for um, that 24 hour experience. Um, yeah. And and uh, you know, as as my wife and kids and uh, coworkers and people in my church will tell you, um, you know, I have a I have a record player in my office, and uh, I've been spinning Dylan records exclusively since I've gotten back. Um. Any any lingering thoughts for you on the concert? 
I I'm really glad that we caught it. Um, this seems like a really special time to see him also because since down in the groove, he had been doing what's called the never ending tour. And I caught him on the never ending tour in 2018. And that's what he was doing. I think up to early 2020 or late 2019. And it was still, still even that late into it. That leg of it was similar to the set that I saw him do. And in 2020, it seemed like that could have been the last time Bob Dylan toured, you know, like it's, I mean, they're, Everyone's cool about it now, but there were a couple months where things got real dark and mm-hmm. we lost people like John Prine. Yeah. You know, we, we were losing some really magical people. And so I, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. This is my third concert uh, post vaccine. And I'm so glad it was Dylan. And I'm so glad that it was the rough and rowdy ways tour. It's this new tour for an 80 year old man to be like, you know what? It's time for a new phase of my career as someone who I'm, I'm still so young, you know, like, I mean, the, the album that came out the year I was born was under the red sky by Dylan time out of mind came out when I was seven, love and theft when I was 11. So since I've been alive and, and, and a fan of Dylan, this has kind of been the most interesting time to be a fan of his. Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I was in college when the Christmas album came out. And I was like, this is not great. And Tempest came out and I was like, I don't, I don't want to listen to that. It took me a long time to get to Tempest. And then like when I like really fell in love with Dylan was grad school and then those the three standards albums came out. And I was just like, what's going on here? So Rough and Rowdy Ways has been particularly special to me and um, it just feels exciting. It feels like getting a new era of Dylan. Um, that's one that you have to be like, Oh yeah, there's this gospel phase. And then he does the standards and there's some ugly times in the eighties, but to, to be experiencing him at a new height this late in his career is very exciting. It, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm like, you know, I, I missed out, you know, I wish I could have been a Newport in 1965. I wish I could have been a rolling thunder. You know, I wish I could have seen him with the band or something, you know, any of that. So I, I feel kind of that th- this is kind of my in on Dylan's legacies. Like I was there for rough and rowdy ways mm-hmm. for that tour early in the tour. I, I saw it happen. And I, I listened to murder most foul in 2020, you know, I listened to it loud and I, and I cried and it was powerful. And so it just, it feels great to for him to be that relevant uh, to me and to so many other people who were just, screaming um, just because he was there standing in front of us and performing the best he has in maybe over a decade. I mean, it was, I'm just so grateful and I'm so thankful, uh, Rob, that, that I didn't have to do it alone, that you came out and you were there with me. Uh, it was very fitting. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. The day that would live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a right line Good day to be living and a good day to die He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb He said, wait a minute, boys, you know who I am 
course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Shot down like a dog in broad daylight. Was a matter of time, and in the time, and was right. You got unpaid debts. We've come to collect. We're gonna kill you with hatred, without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you, and we'll grin in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. The day they blew out the brains of the king. Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise. Right there in front of everyone's eyes. Greatest magic trick ever under the sun. Perfectly executed, skillfully done. Wolfman, oh wolfman, oh wolfman, how? Rub a dub dub. It's a murder most foul. So let's close here. Rough and Rowdy Ways tour. Um, we're so glad we got to do it together. Um, what what an incredible show. An album that we both love. Here is the question for us to wrestle with. Is Rough and Rowdy Ways a top 10 Bob Dylan album? I think so, yes. I, I agree. When I make my top 10 best, admittedly, I cheat a little bit because I think it's so boring to make a top 10 Dylan list and almost, you know, like, like a third of it is the bring it all back home, Highway 61, Blonde on Blonde. Yes, of course, we know these three are three of the most perfect albums ever. And so to put those three in a top 10 for me, it, it's redundant and obvious and just not a lot of fun. So in place of those, if I'm going to make the best, I'll either just have one of those three or put Royal Albert Hall 1966 there in its place. Cause you get, you get the best of all of those things. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And you get the craziest version of like a Rolling Stone, the best version of Mr. Tambourine man and um, a number of great blonde on blonde songs. All right, so it's a perfect stand-in. So, yeah, I mean, to me, at this point, it's obvious that, you know, time out of mind, love and theft and rough and rowdy ways are these later career. It's crazy now because you think like, oh, uh, yeah, time out of mind's a great later Dylan album. It's like that album's almost 25 years old. Like, yeah. Like that's, he's still had an, an, a whole other career, a couple of different careers. Yeah, no, to, to me at this point, it's obvious that Rough and Rowdy Ways is, is a top 10 best Dylan album. And at this point for me, also a top 10 favorite. Well, listener, out of all these conversations, I'm sure we pulled something out. If nothing else, this was maybe just some fan service for two huge Dylan fans. So we're going to leave you with the closing track from... The Rough and Rowdy Ways Tour, Every Grain of Sand, and Makai and I will be back in one week or two weeks with another bonus episode. 
In the time of my confession In the hour of my deepest need When the pool of tears beneath my feet Flood every newborn seed There's a dying voice within me Reaching out somewhere Toiling in the danger And in the morrows of despair Don't have the inclination To look back on any mistake Like Cain I now behold this chain of evil In the fury of the moment I can see the master's hand In every leaf that trembles In every grave 